Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, one of the queens of reality TV podcasts, Kate Casey. Kate hosts the very popular podcast, The Reality Life, where she interviews pretty much every reality star under the sun. I need to find her booker. Kate also recaps reality shows on her website, loveandknuckles.com. And when she's not completely immersed in reality TV, she's raising four young kids in the OC and just generally being fabulous. We talk all about how her obsession with reality TV started, why she gravitates towards certain types of shows, and what she's learned from her many interviews with people looking for their 15 minutes. Kay Casey, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to be here. I can't believe you're here. I can't believe it. I feel excited because I feel like you are probably gonna get me and my interests in a way that other people will not. Ooh, that's a high bar. This is even like minded a little. That's a for my engineer. That was like a little vote of confidence. So now there's a (laughs) lot of pressure on me now. This better go well. Kate. If I don't get you in a way that others haven't, I will feel like I really let everyone down. I believe it. I believe that it's going to happen. I'm going to get to the core of Kate. Can I make you cry? Probably not. <laughs> I feel like you're a tough cookie. You're not going to break. I'm really tough. Yeah. You have four yeah. kids, for God's sakes. But mostly it's because I'm from Philadelphia. Right. Oh, God. Don't fuck with Philly. Yeah. Never. I would never. No. I know better. I lived there for 13 years. Yeah. No. no. That, should be their, that should actually be the city motto. <laughs> don't brotherly fuck with love. Philly. Don't yeah. fuck with Philly. Brotherly love is a big misnomer. Yeah. It's, it's about the rudest city I've ever encountered. I'm from New York. I, well, yeah. I That's mean, so night yeah. and day. New Yorkers are nice. It's a myth. Philly people are hard they, as hell. They are hard as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I've lived here for... 14 years or something, yeah. and I still really believe that I'm a Philly girl. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, Philly is ride or die. Ride or die. Yeah. I will yeah. never not be a Philadelphia girl. Yeah. 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 People, yeah, you need to just chill. I try to teach my third <laughs> my third child. I feel like she's most like me, and I try to teach her to be Philly. She's an Orange County little girl. She's not No Philly. way. I'm telling no. If you've ever looked at my Instagram, you would know. Oh, she's, you know that, she's that, badass. That's my kid, definitely. <laughs> the other ones are really nice, and they care about the world, and they're very much like my husband. Yeah. Not this one. Yeah. She's like me. Yeah. Yeah. She, Is your husband from Orange County, too? He's from Orange County originally, but it, the, if you met him, you wouldn't think that. Okay. I feel like I can meet somebody, and I can kind of assess where they're from. Same. And he, he's a hard one to Like he can almost be down. Canadian? Yeah, because he's really, really nice. You said he's very quiet. He's I heard quiet. you say that. On, yeah. yeah, he's very quiet. So you're the yin and the yang. Yin and yang. Yeah. <laughs> How did you guys meet? Match.com. Oh, really? How I'm, many years ago? Uh, 2003. I moved to Los Angeles. Oh, okay. And Same I year I met my husband. Oh, good. Yeah, I didn't know anybody, so I thought if I join an online dating yeah. site, um, I'll go out to restaurants, like I'll <laughs> explore the city. And I didn't really take it that seriously. And I was working on in Century City in an office. I didn't. Tell anybody at first, because my coworkers were the only people I knew, and yeah. like one neighbor. Wow. So I started doing write-ups of my dates. But I only had like maybe eight dates. I was my husband's first date on Match. That's so cute. Yeah. I feel like we should be in an ad. Absolutely. Yeah. They should be paying Match should be paying you residual money. But I feel like the ad should be the two of us sitting on a couch and the children screaming at us <laughs> and me saying, are Don't you sure up. you want this? <laughs> Like, are you Cautionary sure? Cautionary tale yeah. of match.com. That's so funny. But so, I didn't tell my sister for two years how we met. Because that was back in the day yeah, where you're like, taboo it was taboo. It's it. a yeah. different world now. I met my husband online the same year. It was the same thing. I really didn't care, but he was like, we met through friends. But she's like, he's technically true. I'm like, is the internet really our friend? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> well, my husband, his roommate at the time was dating a, a professor at UCLA and a, a communications professor. Or, or, excuse me, PhD candidate. And she had written a paper on online dating. And she gave him a cheat sheet. So he had all these, knew all these things, what to do, what to look for. And at that time, it was most of the people on Match.com were women. Yeah. So it was just like. that's interesting. Bountiful. Candy shop. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So um, he had worked out. He had a date Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I was his Friday date. And he stayed over. He was busy, my lord. He stayed over, and I remember he got, he was in the car he the next day. He stayed over on your first date? Oh, yeah. Okay, you little Philly hoe. I know, right? <laughs> and he was in the car making calls. I didn't know what he w- was doing. And then later on, he admitted that he was canceling the other Aww. dates. So sorry to those women, but. Yeah, really broken hearts all over the place. But they would have been miserable with him. Like, <laughs> there was no one more suited to be with him than me. You're like, trust me, I did you a favor. I took <laughs> yeah, him off yeah, the yeah. market. Oh, that's such a cute story. Yeah. And that was it after he slept over. That was, that was it. 
Are you yeah, on, I mean, you we, when we days? met at Sunny McLean's in Santa Mon- on Santa Monica Boulevard. Okay. But be- before that, we just sort of had a like a you know like a little meetup. But I didn't tell. I went there with friends, and I didn't tell them that I was meeting with somebody. And oh. I actually I did that a couple of times, so they started getting annoyed with me. They would see me talking to a strange man and think, <laughs> and they started go, saying, "Are you doing like a meetup for match, like a pre date?" Which I I think I recommend that. That's go to a public place because then you have an out. I I could sit, just say, "Well, my friends are here, so I got to get back to them." So I met up with them. Wait, we weren't the we dates talked for a little bit. Though? Well, yeah. Well, I think later he said, oh, my God, you totally had your friend. Oh, no, he did say, wait, your friends are here. He was a little shocked. But we just had a quick meetup. Um, and we had, I just remember meeting him thinking, there's no way I'm not marrying this guy. Aww. Like that, this guy is meant to be because one of the weird things, too, was the first note that he ever wrote me on Match, he was in Paris across the street from the Louvre at, um, in like a little cafe. And we started writing back and forth. The odd thing about that, too, is that flash forward years, I have two daughters born on Bastille Day, four years apart, and my oldest had a has a, a birthmark on her forehead in the shape of an Eiffel Tower. So oh, it's just weird. It. Yeah, weird. And she loves everything French, and their <laughs> birthday parties are always Madeline-themed. So yeah. it's like, it's weird. It was meant to be. So he wrote me and said, um, you know, we were asking each other about our careers and stuff, and he said... Um, I told him I had done legal, I was doing legal PR. And he mentioned how I would probably know this lawsuit that he was a part of, um, an intellectual property lawsuit. Oh, he's a lawyer. No, what happened was (laughs) I represented lawyers. I was like a media consultant. So I created media opportunities. And one of my clients was an intellectual property attorney or a firm. And he said, you might remember this lawsuit. I was involved with the Scour lawsuit. Well, I remembered when I was, starting my career off, there was this case, you probably remember, it was the precursor to Napster. It was a bunch of UCLA undergrads that had started a um, a website where you could download movies and music for free. Mm-hmm. It was just before Napster. So okay. they, so that was my husband's company. He and his friends started at Get UCLA. Out. And he was the CEO. He was the president of the... So he got sued. Yes, by the RIAA and the MPAA. And he was on, so he was on the front page of the marketplace section (laughs) in the Wall Street Journal when he was an undergrad. Well, so when I started doing PR, I was doing, getting opportunities for my client about what are the implications of this case and how will it affect um, cases going forward. So, you know, so when he said, you might remember this case I was involved in, the Scour lawsuit, I remembered talking to Ron Harris, the Associated Press reporter, when they were in the courtroom and or right before he went into the courtroom, I called Ron Harris and said, I know you're covering the Scour lawsuit today. I've got an intellectual property attorney who can provide commentary. And I remember him saying, great, I've got the Scour CEO at nine o'clock and I'll talk to your guy at 930. And that nine o'clock call with the CEO was, was your husband went on to become my husband. That's a crazy story. Yeah. It was all very serendipitous. So a lot of our conversations like are very, um, he never, doesn't think I'm funny, never has seen <laughs> me do comedy, never reads anything I write. We have this whole life outside of that where it's like this. Where you're just having tons of kids. Business stuff. We really right. uh, connect that way. That's wild. Yeah. So your background's in PR then? I yes. It, okay. I went to college for political science. I okay. thought I would work in Washington for the, my entire life. Uh-huh. I interned every semester of college. My first internship was my freshman year of college, and it was for Vice President Gore's Reinventing Government Project. I knew the press secretary. He went to my, uh, the sporting school I went to, and he let me be his intern. So you're not really allowed to be an intern until you're a junior. So Mm -hmm. I think I was probably one of the youngest interns in White House circumstances. So I did that. Um, I worked in the press office at the White House in college. And that was when Clinton was in office? Clinton administration. Um, and I worked on a bunch of campaigns and I really thought I would spend the rest of my life there. Wow. So after I graduated from college, I found a job working um, as a publicist with former senators that had gone back to their law firms. Really? And I have this, I have these pockets of love. I love um, sports. Mm-hmm. I love journalism slash politics. And I always loved entertainment. So um, at that time of my life, I really pursued the journalism politics route. So I loved that job because every day was a different day. And all I got to do all day long was read the news. I was the little kid that read Newsweek. I love that. I loved it. And you were living in D.C.? 
I was living in D.C. I went to college there and I worked there for a little while um, and I just loved it. So, yeah. So anyway, I so I did that legal PR for 16 years. I started my own firm when I was like 27 years old and I represented a global law firm. I did it myself and I would create media opportunities for the lawyers at the firm. So one day I was doing, you know, I would talk to somebody at the Wall Street Journal about securities litigation um, and suggest an attorney to talk about the implications of a case or the next day it could be with, um, you know, somebody, I, I would, I remember the Martha Stewart trial. I took somebody, this attorney, George Newhouse, if he would ever remember me, I'm sure he would, but um, he worked for Thielen Reed in LA and he, you know, had this small sort of practice. And I put him out uh, to reporters as an expert on the Martha Stewart trial. And I got him so many media opportunities that he became the expert on the Martha Stewart trial. Wow. And that was what I lived for. It was like creating, I loved it when an attorney would say to me, my dream is to be on the cover, you know, article of New York Times and figuring out a way to make that happen. It was like a great challenge. And I got to read the news all day. So it was a great job. Love that. So what brought you to L.A.? Um, I had a job with a PR firm and they said, you can move you, you can move to L.A. or San Francisco. And I always love the entertainment industry and always envision myself at some point going to L.A. and living there. Hmm. So I moved to L.A. I wor- worked in Century City in an office that had magnet communications and they had an entertainment practice. And then I was the one person that did um, like a corporate legal PR. So I was in that office for like a year. And then I had a um, client that they were shutting down the office and they wanted me to work from home. And I thought... If I'm going to work from home, it's going to be on my terms. Yeah. So I went to a client and and convinced them to come over and work with me. And now that I look back, it's like such a ball busting. Yeah, you did the Jerry Maguire. I just can't believe I did that. But it was great. But I have to say, part of that too was that was around the time I met my husband. Okay. And he was really um, influential in in that big decision. Like you, so supportive. You can do it. And I looked at him like he was running this company when he was an undergrad. Yeah. Right. You know, so I can do it too. Yeah. So it was a great, yeah, it was a great move. And then how long did you st- have your own firm for? Up until I had my fourth baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. So recently. Mm-hmm. So what, okay, wow, this is interesting. I had yeah. no idea this former life. And so, But I never told my clients I was pregnant. Not one time. <laughs> they never so I would be babies. in the delivery room and having contractions, <laughs> working. I one time at a conference call, <laughs> I tell a story about I had a meeting with a, an attorney because I was oh terrified God. if somebody knows I'm pregnant, especially with law firms. These, you know, a I lot of my clients were older men. And yeah. I have to say, one of the great things that I did learn in that job, and maybe it's because I'm from Philadelphia too, is I had balls of steel. Yeah. So I would have an attorney that would say, you know, everybody would be in fear of them. Of course, I'm an outside consultant, but I would have the balls to say, you know what, Lou? You're a real asshole. Yeah. That's why you're not they on the executive committee. Yeah. And you're not going to get any opportunities because you're a dick. Yeah. And they and loved, they loved it. it. Yeah. They loved me. And yeah. so I, I do kind of miss that. Yeah. It was a great job. And I love that you've... <laughs> oh, I know no what I was going to say. I had a meeting. I didn't want anybody to know I was pregnant. And I, I got a call from a client and they said, uh, I want you to meet with my colleague in L.A. at this restaurant. Um... And I was seven months pregnant. Right. It's hard to hide. And you're tiny. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> and I was freaking out. And then he said, but the glitch is, he's legally blind. <laughs> so just be cool about it. So I had a meeting with a with a blind man when I was seven months pregnant. So That's no like, one ever knew. And then I had a meeting. Oh I remember God, after I had dying. like my third, we were going around the table talking, you know, you'd say something about yourself. Oh, I have, you know, three kids. What are their ages? And I was biting my lip like three Two and two weeks. And they looked at me, they're like, you had a baby two, two weeks, weeks ago? ago? But I was just terrified of being, I have that, that's my problem in life is that I come from a place of fear. Like I'm going to get fired. If I don't work harder than everybody in the room, I will get fired. And that's never gone away. I don't think it will ever go away. And my husband is the same way. So what about your background makes you like that, do you think? I just never had any emotional or financial safety net. Yeah. So, and um, I just live in, I never, I remember being in college and I was like, how am I going to pay my rent? Right. Um, and I had to work shifts, late shifts at a restaurant. I mean, I was full course load, full-time internship pretty much at the White House. And then I would w- wait tables at night. Wow. You're a, hus- so it's a like, true hustler. Hustler is yeah. the best way to put me. 
So to go from having your own firm, being super successful, and then sort of going out into like this reality world that you become right. a part of, like what made you do that? And then like, how did you see building a career out of that? Well, after the birth of my first child, I I always knew in the back, I was always con- very confident that if I ever did stand-up comedy, I would be really good at it. I knew that from the time I was a small child. Have people always told you you're hilarious? Always funny, like you're quick-witted. I always could make people laugh. But you never did it. I never did it. I remember, in fact, in college, I gave a speech at the Democratic Caucus. I was on C-SPAN as a college kid. I introduced President Clinton and Vice President Gore. What? Sam um, Donaldson was in the back of the room. And I got this opportunity, and I don't even know how, but I needed to talk about um, increasing um, Pell Grants and saving student loans. And I don't know how I got it, but I remember I went up to the podium, and, you know, I had this whole speech that I'd written. And I just started cracking jokes, and I got all these people, politicians. I was sitting next to Ted Kennedy, by the way. Wow. Did he get on you? No, because he was like so old right, and I'm like, right. I was wearing a horrible suit and my terrible hair and it was chubby. <laughs> but no, he wasn't like interested in me at all. But I, but I got all these people laughing. And then when Vice President Gore walked up, because I had mentioned in my speech or somebody who introduced me had said I was an intern for his reinventing government project. And like we had a little quick like laugh about it. Wow. And then afterwards, um, Bill Clinton had made a comment to me like, oh, you you know, your opening joke was really funny. I said something like, you know, I called my professor last night and I told her I wouldn't be in class today. And I got to tell you, I think she thought I was lying. So at least now I have proof of it or something like that. But I got everybody laughing and I just thought there's something here. Yeah. And I always kept that. I hung on to that. So then I have this baby and I still felt like even though I had this job right. and a baby, I still felt like there's a creative place that I'm not uh, I'm not using that creative space yet. So I started writing my my husband's friend Travis who went on to start Uber. Thank you very much. Travis. Yes, oh, that Travis. Yeah, Jesus. he said to me, "Kate, um Dan and Travis started Scour. That was oh their company." Oh my god. I so, never knew that. Yeah. So um Travis said you got to write what you know. And you got to write because it's killing you. You got to write what you know. So yeah. I remember the first post I ever wrote was about why celebrities fake date to like explain that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it turned into writing about um, Real Housewives started to air. So I started writing recaps of that right. show, but there were like dramatic reenactment recaps, but like I would add conversations that didn't occur. Right. What do they call um, fan fiction? Like that, yes. Yeah. So I did that, and then I started also doing posts about like motherhood. Of like, I would, you know, one post was about um, my, why the the mo- the moms club I was in. Everyone hates me. Why they all hate me? Why right. I hate going to the park? Blah blah blah. Yeah. And then I wrote. So you're blogging. It was blogging. It was blogging, blogging yeah. and then I did like I wrote a pregnancy book. So I was like writing, 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 writing. Wow. And then by the time I had my fourth baby, I just felt like I'm spending so much time with these legal clients that don't give two shits about me. Yeah. And I've lost that spark of interest of like making them famous. I want to make myself famous. Yeah. So um it was just building and building over it time. It was building, building. And then Heather McDonald was reading my recaps and said to me, call me. So I called her and we chatted for a while and she asked me if I would go and be on her podcast. So I went down, I, I think I was on like two or three times and I told her I ha I really feel like I could make a really great podcast. But I would not just like to, because she said, you should do a podcast where you recap. And yeah. I said, I think I've I've got more to that. Yeah. And I love to interview people. I feel like I'm the kind of person that at a dinner table, I get information out of people. <laughs> yeah. But it's because I'm really interested. Yeah. It's not bullshit. Right. Like, I 100%. am a very curious person. Yeah. And um, so I wanted to interview people on reality shows and not just people on shows right now, but from shows that really were special to me like real world or just to right. check so back you grew and up say watching all of all of reality TV all of reality yeah and I have to say also in terms of being a curious person yeah I think this all began my love of reality TV sort of predates real world too I remember being a kid and always looking at my mom's high school yearbook so and asking her like who was this person <laughs> yeah. and then I love to know about uh, the high school reunion tell me again about the high school reunion and wh- how did they turn out <laughs> and do those people still talk and are they still married I love it you're plotting storylines yeah I just love like I was fascinated yeah. by people and yeah. I I'm the kind of person that goes on vacation mm-hmm. and if I'm at the pool with other people it kills me when I 
see a family across the way. I want to know where they're from, how the parents met, what the names of their kids are. And I have this weird, weird recall of information relating to people. The only other person I could compare it to is like, I think Bill Clinton has it too. Wow. Where you can see somebody 10 years later and remember, you know, the names of all their kids. I can, you know, I'll say something to somebody like, how did that, you know, ankle surgery work out? And um, did you ever talk to so-and-so again? I remember where they went to college. Like, and it's, really creepy for other people and it's not something i try like i it just comes naturally wow um does it relate to other things like can you memorize like in school was it helpful to you in terms of like studying and stuff uh, or doesn't translate that way not really it's it's just this one right weird it's like a personal recall area like i was in new jersey this weekend and i was in a boutique in my sister's town and this woman walked through the door and i looked at her and said were you in the movie PCU? <laughs> she was played Cecilia in PCU. Oh She's Melanie Mayron's sister. Get out. And she said, who are you? Hang on. What She said, I, in my entire life, not one person has ever recognized me from that movie. I can't believe, she said, we're I cannot believe what she just said. And then I brought my daughter over and said, Mia, I want, you know, I want you to meet her. She was in one of my most favorite movies of all time. And she's a very funny comedic actress. And she just looked at me like, I cannot believe, and then she asked me, do you have some sort of weird brain thing? Which, of course, I said I do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, my crazy. sister does not have that at all. That's so she wild. She can barely remember people, but I remember everything. That's wild. I just like stuff about people. Yeah. My That's husband's always like, I don't get it. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah, I think Bill Clinton is sort of famous for that, too. That's, yeah. a, that's a gift. I mean, I think it's it'll help you, like, in your career now, too. Well, now it will, but not before. Right, right. <laughs> Didn't serve you. Okay, so you started, so you met Heather. You started the podcast, um, Reality Life with Kate Casey. Mm-hmm. But you were doing stand-up before that? Like, you— Um. Or- yes. I did stand-up for maybe a year before that. I One day I just said— it was January 1st. I said, should I get off the pot? I'm just going to try it. So I called a local bar and said, I'd love to come in and do an open mic. He said, I'll give you three minutes. And I told him, uh, is it okay if I bring people? Um, I've got a blog and I've got some followers. Right. Is it okay if I bring people? And he said, yeah, sure. Most open mic places are a bunch of like drunk men <laughs> right. smoking cigarettes. And I, there's 60 women showed up. And it's wow. Orange County, so they're, like, beautiful women. Good for you. And these men were like, holy shit, is this girl going to come back again and again and again? <laughs> right. Because You found your niche. Um, but I just went up, I did a set, and I, my fr- girlfriends were all like— Actually, a lot of their husbands also came, to be quite honest. Love it was that. really special. What, what was the, What were some of your jokes? Um, it was about reality shows, about— I. My question was always, like, why isn't there anybody— And now that this has changed, for the, the last season this happened, but why isn't anyone ever honest about their— shit shitty family on the bachelor it's always like <laughs> I, I love my parents they i just want a marriage like my parents and there was never someone that was like i gotta be honest with you i don't want you to meet my nutbag parents why don't we go to the ramada and just have sex all night long and let's just call it a day <laughs> totally. like no one's like this is my sister sally and she's had a meth problem and that's explains the sores <laughs> on her mouth so that is and then this season they had a guy who was really introduced his father and he was dressed up like a wizard yeah. and he's like a total nutbag. And I was like, finally, somebody shows like an authentic family. Yeah, yeah. right. No, it's true. That's good. Funny. And that's a great point. OK, so then you started the podcast and you how many you've done a lot of episodes. Yes. T- t- today I just uh, had my 56th episode. So I started September 17th was my first episode of last year, my daughter's bir- first birthday. Nice. And um, yeah, I just love it. I'm having a ba- blast. And uh, so I think sometimes people think, well, how do you have the time to watch the show? It is a lot yes, of work. This is my number one question. It is a lot of How the hell do you work. watch all those shows? I'm a, qui- I'm a speed watcher, speed writer. <laughs> Okay. I'm a speed reader, speed writer, speed wow, watcher. Wow, lucky, lucky. Um, I watch a lot at night. Yeah. I don't, I'm I, quite honestly, I'm not somebody who needs a lot of sleep. I probably sleep five hours a night. Right. Um, so that's probably why I'm also good with newborns because like right. I just don't, <laughs> my husband needs sleep, I don't. I watch a lot at night. Um, I work out, when I work out in my garage, I'll put a show on while I'm working out. That okay. helps me. That bang, bangs it out. Um, it, like I'll just I'm a really good at maximizing my time. Yeah. So if I am at a school at school waiting in the pickup line, you know, before they they come out, <laughs> but I'll watch something on my my computer. I love it. And I just figure out ways to you know I'll watch ten minutes here, ten minutes later. I right. figure out ways. 
And then I guess with your recall, you can keep all of them straight, all the characters, all the storylines, because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm also on social media all the time. I'm on Twitter. I'm reading yes, you're very comments. Um, I'm and looking you're writing for, pot- blogs. for potential guests. Um, that takes that and the promotion take up most of the time. And you're a one yeah. woman show. Like you don't have. Any I help. am a one <laughs> woman bless. show. One woman. You are. Yeah, I have not had any help at all. So. I did not realize all this stuff about you. I'm. Yeah. I was already impressed. Now I'm like mega impressed. Oh, you are. You. You're a superstar. You have that personality. I just really feel like it's. I'm so excited about the content. You're in your and zone. The, the people I get to meet. Yeah. I, that's has been a wonderful surprise too. Is I'm so excited to meet people and to learn. I always say to my guests, I hope my hope is that people walk away from the show thinking, God, I didn't really realize that about somebody. Because especially on a show like Real Housewives, you your your time on screen is so few and far between, and people get an idea about you based on these little scenes. And I hope that this is a spot where you can express yourself yeah. more. And I always feel like if somebody knows the backstory, I, it all makes sense. I can prove your point. So I listened to your interview with Megan King Edmonds from yes. RHOC. Um, so I have to admit, so I went through IVF. It was a very easy process. Mm-hmm. We were very lucky. But when Megan cried last season about her embryo that didn't take, which yeah. as she said on your podcast is not a miscarriage, I dug in, like, I was I was pissed. Mm-hmm. And so were a lot of people. And it was interesting to, like, look at myself, like, why do I care that, like, it was, you know, but to me it was like, you didn't really have trouble conceiving. Jimmy had a vasectomy that you had right. to reverse. This wasn't, you know, it was her journey, and I get it was her storyline and everything, but the whole thing just enraged me because it just seemed very spoiled, like you had, right. you know. Right. But when I heard her talk on your podcast— it made me see her in a different light. It actually yeah. made me see that whole thing in a different light. Like, mm-hmm. I think she actually said people experience loss different ways. Yeah. And, like, give me a break, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? She's right. I still, you know, it's who am I to judge how she felt about it? Well, I also said to her, I understood her in that you moment. You did say that. And I did because it was more about life experiences when you have an expectation. What could have been? What you thought was going to What you be. thought was going to happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen. It, it's a— it's. It's heartbreaking. I guess for and me, life slaps you. Sometimes. I know, but I guess, and again, we shouldn't go down too far down this mm-hmm. rabbit hole. But it, that annoyed me that she thought that she had that expectation because if you go through IVF, yeah, and I've you never know experienced what the, yeah, IVF, if you know so what the, know. you you yeah. know, she knew there was a probably a very high probability that she wouldn't be pregnant at all, let alone have two, yeah, let alone have one. Like to me, it's just like if you go to into IVF with your eyes wide open, mm. you know how blessed and lucky you are to to have any anything at take. all. So right. that was, so, but again. That makes sense. I forgive her. Yeah. <laughs> again, if you're listening, I forgive you. No, no, no. But I, I realize that my anger was misplaced and it usually has more about to do with your own shit than the person. But people oh, were up sure. in arms. So especially people that for really sure. went through it. I mean, yeah. again, I don't even talk about it because it was such a non, non-thing non for us. But, yeah. you know, people go through it for years and don't even end up with a happy ending sometimes. So I think it was like really hit a nerve for a lot of people. I feel that way. I have a friend who always complains about her family trust. And I I, I don't know how I many times I have, like tried to explain it to her. My mom doesn't have a pot to piss in. I don't even like I barely even know my my father has never even given me a birthday card. I met him a couple of years ago. My kids have never received a card, nothing. Not even wow. a stuffed animal. So what, what your reality is so askew with like normal people. Like I just can't but how do I explain that to somebody? No, you ha- I went through that with a friend yesterday, too, who was, I, I can't get into it, but I, I faked it. I said, oh, I hope you're okay. Right. <laughs> and I was I like, know. are you really, are you complaining about this? I know. Um, but you know, it's like everyone has their own reality. Right. I mean, sadly, but truly. So speaking of your childhood, which sounds really tough. Yeah. Um, and we were saying earlier that you relate to Bethany Frankel from Real Hospital in New York. I really do. Because she had a really fucked up childhood, mm-hmm. too. And so, like, and she's a tough cookie, too, and ambitious and all of that. So I see parallels with you guys. You seem way nicer. She's though. ambitious. I, yeah, I'm a little bit—she's she, probably—my sister's probably even more like her. Um, my sister can just cut somebody out. And I, I sometimes I can do that, but I do have a, a soft spot in my heart. Yeah. Um, I always say in my family, I'm like, I'm the nice one. Believe it. <laughs> um, I think that— Bethany and I relate because we're very tough people, but we have a very small inner circle. Yeah. So when she gets upset, like with the Jason, she never lets people in. 
So for him to destroy her that, it, it rattles you to the core where you rethink every relationship that you have. So I respond to that, her sense of abandonment. I think people, I, I read a Harvard Business Review article many years ago, and they they said that your business acumen is directly related to your relationship with your father. Really? And that children who are the product of abandonment tend to work way harder, like much harder than anybody else, because you're trying to get the attention and recognition of someone that you will never get. Wow. They, President Obama is an example. Yeah. He, he, he's wanted his dad to just wow. say, great job. And that, Bethany is like that, and I'm like that. I'm working so hard for just recognition. That's my one issue in life, is I just want someone to go, you did a great job. And do you feel like you're getting that now? Or not enough? A little bit. But and will I, it ever I, be I have to be quite honest with you. I am shocked when anybody says, I, you know, if somebody says to me, I really love your show, or I really like something you wrote, I honestly, I'm shocked that they even listen or read, and I'm so touched by it that I don't know where to just accept it. My friend says, you're the worst at accepting because I'm like, oh, you want to be friends? You know, want to go camping? Like, want to hang out? <laughs> like, right. I can't accept a compliment and walk away because I'm so honestly so touched by it that I've connected with someone because I that's what I searched for my whole life is just to connect with somebody. Wow. So when I get it, I'm like, so touched by it. Wow. I really, like every person, make I'm, so, I'm so grateful for yeah. anybody that takes the time. Listen, people are busy, very busy. So for someone to take even two minutes and read my recap. Yeah. Well, that's important. I'm really, I really, so important. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's I mean, so great. You know, well, that's that. That's really sweet to hear. I mean, like that makes I just you want to a feel good person connected to people. Yeah, and that's my goal. Well, you're connecting. I mean, I'm you know on your Facebook group and people like are into like it's it's a community. That's what's interesting about I've found with these housewives yeah. things and and offshoots of housewives groups and like the crime world and all this stuff yeah. that people really yearn to be a part of community and to contribute to the conversation because yeah. especially smart women that like we watch a lot of these shows, like we get it. We get mm -hmm. that these are ridiculous people living right. ridiculous lives. We're not like, we're not taking it seriously. So to connect to people like that, who you feel have the same sensibility, same yes. sense of humor, you know, are watching it in the exact same mm -hmm. way you do, where they'll just say the most awful things about someone's kid and you're just laughing your head off, even though yeah. you know it's so wrong. Those are the kind of people like in real life that you may not really interact with, you know, Absolutely. and you find these people online and, you know, it's just, it's like you found, and like you found home in a way, in that way. Also, I have always, I remember talking to, Travis about this years ago, he just didn't understand like tabloid stuff. And I would tell him everybody is interested in celebrity gossip. I promise you, if you go to any dinner party and you say, what do you think about Brad Pitt and Angelina? <laughs> everybody has an opinion. So and it's the same thing about reality shows. As much as you, people will say, oh, they're just garbage. The truth is they probably watch three of them and you just start a conversation going and then you find out Oh, they, well, oh, I never watched reality shows. And then you start talking to them, but I did watch blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm. and a lot of, actually, a lot of my fans or people that want to come on my show and reach out to me are men. Oh, that's interesting. And they say, you know, I, I have so many men that are begging to come on the show to talk about Vanderpump Rules. Stop. That show is like, men love that more than anything. My husband, the only show he watches, I'm outing him now, is Shaws of Sunset. See? Which is and it, and it he doesn't hates, make he sense. Whole, he thinks I think he just likes the women on that show. Maybe, but whatever it is, maybe it is. That. He is knee deep. Like it's yeah. it was just funny just because he watches no reality. He could care less. Yeah. So it's so funny. I think it is. That it. makes me laugh too. It makes me laugh so hard, especially if it's somebody like my friend who's an orthopedic surgeon. Right. But then he'll he'll, he'll you know know certain things. Like when I was watching yeah. Real Housewives of New York reunion, he walks in. You know, and he's like, "Is that?" Bethany? What happened mm -hmm. to her face? But that like, how do you is, know who Bethany is? And that makes me laugh so hard. Yeah, I funny. love that. I, I love that. Does your husband know anything about anything? Um, Or he doesn't care? Though? You know, he'll walk through the room right. and I'll make a comment or he'll be at the airport and say, I think I just saw Vicky. <laughs> well, that's I'm like, thing. oh, I thought you didn't know anything. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, Brian saw Vicky too yeah. in Newport Beach. So you live in the OC. I and do. So you live amongst these. I am these <laughs> amongst them all the time. What? Yeah. I mean, I see them all the time. Are you friends with any of them? I am. Are you friends with Shannon Bedore? No, but I saw her at Gulfstream like three weeks ago. That's where, she said next that's to me. That's where my husband saw Vicky. 
<laughs> Gulfstream. At Gulfstream. That is my. I'm there every Saturday I night at about six o'clock because we're losers and we go. We go on a date every Saturday oh, night. That's cute. To Gulfstream Six. So we saw them. Uh, I know Kelly Dodd. Okay. Tell, let's get into Kelly. Can we get into Kelly? Sure. Okay. So crazy. This is like I, I feel like <laughs> I have. A, I think I have a degree in armchair psychology. Okay. Good. I really do. Kelly's problem is that she comes from a place of like she's like a, a reactionary person. No impulse control? None. Right. And she <laughs> is all id. actually very sensitive. Yes. Oh, I so see So she's that. Yes. always waiting for someone to pounce. So totally. she has no filter. So the minute anybody says something, she reacts when she probably is the person that goes home and cries about, like, feels terrible, but has a hard time admitting that she felt horrible about it. I think you're 100% right. She feels yeah. wounded and she lashes out so uh, in such an ugly way. I know. I don't know enough. I don't know her well enough to know what her childhood was like, but yeah. I suspect that if Bravo let me talk to her, I would be able to get to that and figure it out. She's a really great mom. Is She's she? totally in, like, <laughs> Is she? she has a that, daughter. But She's that a, relationship, her husband, that that relationship, I mean, I know. I'm sorry. What is up there? Why are they even together? It must be for the daughter. I think part of it is this, too. I remember I did stand up at the Irvine Improv right before the show aired. Okay. And she was there with her friend, who's a mutual friend of mine, and her husband showed up. And I do I do think that they're, he's bored because he, um, he was with, involved with LeapFrog. And I know this about entrepreneurs. My own husband's not Wait, Kelly's husband? Yes. He was involved oh, with LeapFrog. That educational thing? Yeah. Okay. And he was very successful. Somebody who worked constantly. Okay. And I don't think he's done something that re requires that much time since then. So I think he feels probably at a place where he's a little bit bored and trying to figure out what his next move is. And because of that, he's around her all right, the time. Right, he's annoying the crap out of her. He showed up to the <laughs> improv, which was like all women. And we're right. all hanging like, out, like know. having drinks. And I think that's her reaction is like, for the love of, like, leave, leave me alone. Me alone. I she married a man who was super successful and independent, yeah. and she's independent, and now he's clingy. And I think that's some of the I, that's a good what point. you're seeing on TV. That's a great point. I definitely agree with it. However, I will say I don't see a connection between them at all. They have and maybe zero not. chemistry. I mean, they have been married a long time. I yeah. think that happens a lot, which, you know, I'm no marriage expert, but right. you really have to work it finding things in common. Maybe they don't have as much in common anymore. I mean, right. that happens to people. It does. So who else yeah. are you friends with? Um, who am I friends with? Oh, I would say I know. I know okay. Lydia. I I know Heather Dubrow. I know um, I'm friendly with um, Shannon and Tamara. Uh, I was supposed to interview Peggy. No, she I was scheduled it. to come in and I canceled a couple hours before or like the day before. I'm friends with the girl, um, the girl on the show. Uh, do you remember Shannon's disco party? Yes. Where Kelly and Jackie got into the, the one fight. She said she invited the them in advance. So she's my friend. Oh, I know. I she's the one who this. recommended me for the show. And I remember. Oh, right. Yeah. But I, okay, well, there's so much to talk about. But <laughs> I know you called into Amy's show and yeah. said that Shannon totally set that up. Yeah, that's what that's what I Jackie believe told it a hundred percent. She was really I've upset never about that. believed. This is very inside baseball. Mm -hmm. So if you don't watch Orange County, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but okay, hold on. I have so many questions. So Peggy can't. What do you make of Peggy? Uh, wrong cast, right? Wrong casting, right? Yeah. Like I get. I was telling this to somebody, a writer. I said I get why they casted her, but the truth is she has. Nothing. She doesn't know what show she's on. She has no. nothing in common with any of the women. Mm -mm. Um, but she still kind of makes me laugh, even though she's not trying to be funny. Well, I met her before the, the season aired. I crashed a party um, that Lydia it. and her husband were Lydia throwing. I don't like they were sponsoring it. The magazine was for it was the uh, one they aired the nobleman party. No, it was before that. <laughs> okay, I, wasn't. I think they sponsor a lot of parties, but I went to it with my neighbors because okay. they their kids go to school with her kids. And so there were a lot of those housewives there. There was uh, Gretchen and Slade were there. Oh, Lizzie was there. I can't. Deco and Peggy were there. <laughs> Deco. And they all, none of them had any idea who I was, which I find, like, let's say I'm in New York City. Yeah. If I saw Dorinda, I interviewed her. She would say hi. She was a but these people, I'm like, <laughs> I've been like, writing recaps for years. We live in the same town. We're really going to pretend you have no idea who I am. Wow. It's like, and they were like, who, what, what, huh? And Peggy and Deco, I tried to talk to them. I really tried, and I couldn't get anything out of them. No, there's nothing there. I'm a pretty good, easy person yeah, no. to get conversation with. 
They're, she is like a mute. <laughs> yeah. So I was excited for her to come in. But then I realized, as you know, from the, the Facebook group, that everyone was like, don't even worry about it. She would have been boring anyway. And so then I boring. felt like relieved. Right. So then I had Heather pretend she was Peggy. The oh, following week, she, yeah, she, she did Stop the whole interview it. as Peggy. Oh, I got to listen to that. That was way better. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love Amy Phillips' <laughs> impression of her, too. Isn't Amy Phillips awesome? She's the best. I went on her show a couple weeks ago. I think it was the same week you did it or the week after. And oh, yeah. I, I think it was the Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you did the Tuesday. Yeah. And, I, and I was I was making her do the Peggy imitation. So and good. I said, Amy, do you know what tomorrow is? It's Friday. She's like, I know. I said, I said you know, Peggy, do you know it's, it's Friday? She's like, oh, yes. That's when my husband beats me. Right, right, right. I can't do it. Like the Friday, the beating of the Armenian woman. She's like, no, translate. I feel like she thought that <laughs> this that? was like an audition for like a sitcom. But she also, was practically they born. talk She's about their, here. Their, their money, 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 money. But before she started, she was selling Rodan and Fields. Please. It's all. So it doesn't There's make- so many smoke. You'll, you'll learn this more as you get into the my side of things. Yeah. The sort of behind the scenes of the producing and all that. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors that goes on in these worlds. Well, you probably even know just from knowing these housewives. Well, I interviewed Dawn Stroop, who who became the new casting director of OC. She, oh, so when I was talking with them, it was another woman named Jen. So they made those decisions before Dawn was brought on. So mm-hmm. now Dawn does like Real Housewives of Orange County and Beverly Hills. But okay. she came in and I told her. It was just when when Lydia was announced, and I asked her why the hell they would do that because I don't think she's a good fit for the show either. Yeah, agree. And Lydia, you're talking about, yeah, terrible. And what thing that she said was, I think this was off air, but she said that sometimes with shows like that, they the the previous season had been quite dirty. And they wanted to swing the pendulum the opposite way. But it's bad. It's, so it's, they wanted somebody who was like frothy and. Guess what? It's not working. And it didn't. Fans are now pissed. they know it didn't work. But Everybody's I said pissed. to her, you are going to regret that. That's a yeah. bad choice. And then they also brought on Peggy. And my friend Jackie told me before the, it aired, she said, no, I called Jackie. said, I know the name of the new housewife. It's Peggy. And she said, hold on. She's my friend. So Peggy was auditioning with. Jackie's been, like, not audition, but they were talking to her for, like, four seasons in a row. And she said that Peggy kept it quiet that she was even going through the process. That's kind of cool. Side by side. So she was like, what? She's like my friend and I had no idea. But she said, I'm just really shocked because I just don't see her as somebody on TV. I'm shocked. So, wait, you actually interviewed. I did. But I was like. Do you think you'd be a good housewife? I don't know. I feel like it's too meta. I don't know. It's a little meta, it's a little but at the bit, same time, they, it could be and I amazing. Kept, I kept saying to them. They need it. I don't know how this makes sense because Jackie recommended me and then they called me. So they wanted you. They were pursuing they you. Were, yeah, I wasn't like I called them. I wow. kept saying, I don't, I don't, I write recaps of the show. I mean, right. Wouldn't that be weird? Yeah, but it's like, a, it's and like they were an like, infiltrator. Yeah, whatever. And they were, so one of the things they said was they really wanted more funny people. So and then I have you or know, any kids. funny any funny people. Yeah, there's no one funny on that cast. I, I think this is my assessment, and you probably would know better than me. I don't think I'm, and first of all, I'm not an Orange County typical person. Right. I don't right. have <laughs> extensions in my hair. I have no plastic surgery. Um, bye bye. I wear J Crew clothing. I am a very East Coast girl. Yeah, but that would be kind of fun. My husband has a software company and is doesn't sell like pool tables on the side like he's not that slate smiley kind of guy he's like a really normal nice guy yeah i have little kids i don't know if reality shows really like little kids i i don't know if megan's got a husband but everybody gets sick of hearing about the baby right i don't know like people really care that much about my kids I, i don't know i just don't know if i fit i'm not a glamorous person I feel like I'm— um, Yeah, but you could be the Bethany. I'm, just, I'm really thinking this through I mean, now. Like, you could be the no bullshit, because Bethany is, is you know, smart as shit, savvy as yeah. hell. She's producing the whole thing in her head the whole time, which is right. what you'd be doing. Um, but it still works, and you still are vulnerable, and you still, you know— Well, I did tell them, if you were to have me on the show, I will t- take you back to Philadelphia. You can meet my father, who I just met six years ago, who's a complete nutbag. That's and I will work out my parenting issues in front of cameras. I will expose that because <gasps> I, I know having that Kate. people will relate to that. Like to be a 40-year-old woman who has these children and you have all of these childhood issues and you have children who like fill in a lot of your holes, but it also opens new ones because you're like, 
confronted with, with what you didn't have as a child. It's a whole process yep, that so many a, people can relate huge, to. Huge, huge storyline. How yeah. do they not? Okay, I need to talk to Alex and Doug. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening, we have to have a serious time. Well, I'm interviewing them next week because of you. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Well, yeah. after the but interview's I, I, over. I also think that Orange County is like— It needs to shake up, though, Kate. It I, needs to shake I up. I think that they like more story. Oh, I remember they kept asking me, well, tell us about the parties that you throw. Mm-hmm. They wanted somebody like Peggy who's going to throw a Lamborghini yeah, party. And we- I said— Okay, I have a birthday party. I did have a birthday party where my my son had Ninja Turtle Turtle Ninja Turtle party where the guy showed up in a Ninja Turtle outfit. He was super hot, and all the dads were laughing because I was like fanning myself. Um, but like, like I have a bouncy house. I have like. Yeah, but I think that that's, that's not that exciting. But that's what I think could be really good. I mean, don't forget when Bethany was first on the show, she had nothing. She lived in like a studio. She yeah. couldn't pay her rent. That's what made her relatable. Like you're talking about. I feel like you are. Think about it. None of those housewives are relatable on any level. Part of why New York works so well mm-hmm. to me is the best franchise far and away. I agree. Is the women are hilarious. They have they have, you know, I don't know what are the reasons why it works. I like it because they fight and make up right away. Yeah. They're adult enough to go. This we just had a shit show moment, but we're gonna move <laughs> forward. There's and they're totally. really quick. Yeah, they're clever. There's, they I think are. people. I think women who are smart crave watching clever women. Yes. Orange County's too stupid. I it's like thoughtless agree. conversations. That's like why I Dorinda That's and why Carol. I like one of my favorite moments was when they were in the hotel room in London talking about the the loss of their husbands yeah. and being widows and yeah. what that experience is like. And I remember Dorinda said, "I couldn't believe that after he died, I w- couldn't believe how I felt like weight was lifted off of me." Because I thought, I have never heard somebody talk about grief in that way. Yeah. So I feel like I watch it and I'm learning something. Yeah. And it, there's so many layers to the women. Yes. And they're all smart. Okay. And I'm not getting products, I mean, with the exception of Bethany, products in my face all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, uh, that bothers me, too. I want to know authentic stories. I will buy your products if I know you're an authentic person. Or if you have ridiculous products that you can't sell, like Sonia. Yes. Who's just, Sonia is the best. She is the gift that keeps But you know what? She's great, too, because she's really honest. She's completely honest. You know? And delusional is the best combination ever. I mean, who's going to talk about, like, anal sex in Orange <laughs> County? No. You know what? I, no I also don't like... Which I'm maybe that's Orange County, but I'm not like is I'm very northeastern or northeastern yeah. about privacy, about wealth, and about faith, oh, uh, yeah. and about politics. It's a private <laughs> thing, thing, yeah. And they're like talking about prayer circles, and that would give me hives. If I were on that show, I would say, I would say something about that. Like, I'm not gonna. First of all, if I come to your prayer prayer circle, like when Tamara showed up to Lydia's house, I mean, a buzzer would have gone off oh as God. I walked through the door. We need Kate. Whore on we the premise. To, yeah. Whore on the premise. We need to start a campaign. All right, I'm starting it to get you on that show. It's so stupid. We need. I don't to, know. We need to touch on a couple more important issues. Okay, so you mentioned Bethany. Inquiring minds need to know what happened with her and Jason. Was he always psychotic, and she didn't see it? Did the relationship make him crazy? Like, what is going on there? I find it interesting. I think that he suppressed a lot of the craziness. I think that the the period of time where they started dating and she got pregnant, I think was quite small. Yeah, I agree. It was like six months maybe. And she is somebody who, like myself, uh, listen, uh, people always say to me, oh, why do you have so many children? And I'm very honest about it. I say, well, keep this in mind. I really don't have any family. Yeah. I don't have a relationship with my parents. I have one sister who lives in New Jersey. My husband and my children are all that I have in the world. Yeah. This is my anchor. Mm-hmm. So I'm creating a family for not just myself, but for my kids. Yeah. Oh, so this is all I have. Yeah. So other people who maybe have one child, they probably have a big cousins and uncles right, and stuff. Right, right. So it evens out. That's you interesting. Know? So, um, so, so I think for that? her, she doesn't have anybody in the world. Yeah. So she meets this guy and she felt like he connected with her. He pretended that he didn't even watch the show, which apparently is not the truth. He's a fame whore. And he says, I have these parents that I'm really close to in Scranton. And then she gets pregnant and she's like, now I'm building the family I always wanted. And I think she got wrapped up in that. Yeah. And his parents seem so sweet. They seem sweet, but I don't think that mom is sweet at all. No, they seem sweet. Yes. They pulled the wool over her. She probably thought, I'm getting a built-in family. Yep. Little did she know, he still, like, basically lived at home. And she's at that period where she really wants to have a child. So you— And we all do this. We tend to overlook things because we really want something so badly. And then I think that she was also—remember, she was— 
basically selling the company at that time. I remember she had the, there was one uh, episode of that show where she really wanted to include him in the business. Mm-hmm. And he had no business being involved in that business. He was not like a personal all. trainer, maybe he sold pharmaceuticals yeah, on the side. Really, he had like no he had business. Like a and resume. she was like, and to know her from afar, like we all do. Yeah. That was the one moment where you're like, why would you let him be part of your business? But she so badly, I think, wanted a a unit. Well, and I that's think why the, the she's so rough with life. people. Well, I think her business is her life. That's so she all couldn't she, admit, right? She that couldn't and her daughter having, is all she has. Having him it's in her a life constant. without it. When you are a child, like we, I, like Bethy and I, like you had no constant. Like one thing I do yeah. with my kids every night, and it's so other people wouldn't mean anything, is when I put them to bed, I talk about what's going to go on the next day. Yeah. And, and to I give them security. I, I give them security. It's loose enough that I'll say, okay, tomorrow we're going to wake up. We're going to have waffles. You're going to go to school. You're probably going to come home and play. And then you're, we're going to have a delicious dinner. Then we're going to take a bath. And you know what? We're probably going to read a couple books. And it's just to give them a sense of security. That's awesome. Because I never had that. Yeah. And so I think for her, that period of time, she's pregnant. She meets a new man. She's selling her company. She just wanted some foundation. And do you and think he's crazy? I think he's crazy. probably, yes. I think he's so obsessed. I have known women in my life who have gotten divorced from men like that, Ugh. who are relentless, relentless. Like, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. And they make their life a living hell. I have a friend whose wow. husband makes it so difficult for her to have a job because they have kids <gasps> that she'll take a job in New York City and then she'll get a call that he's drunk. In a, you know, at home, and the kid he the he didn't pick up the kids, oh so she God. can't get a job because uh. she can't pay the babies. It's like a whole mess. Uh. I think he's that kind of guy. Like yeah. I will make you pay, and it's how do you get away from that when you have a child? Oh it, you're God. stuck. This is really so. Upsetting. I feel like <laughs> I like I feel like I know women like Bethany. I feel like I know I I, I see myself in some of her. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and one last housewife thing, and I want to ask you about another show. Um, Shannon and David. Yeah. It's, everyone's saying she needs to lose David to lose the weight. Like, that. David is really the albatross. Yeah. I don't think she ever will. I have to say, I saw them together, and they were with their children. And I, I know I said this on my podcast. It seemed, I think I, I can read people pretty well. I saw them as a tight unit as five. So for her, I don't think she could separate from mm-hmm. him because the, the unit is too important to her. Interesting. So maybe not until her children are older. Yeah, yeah. But she is so intent on keeping that unit together. That's a really good point. Oh, you're so smart. Okay, so let's move to the big announcement of the day. Mm-hmm. The Bachelor. The new right. Bachelor. Right. Ari from like five years, years ago. ago. What a womp womp. Well, you. I mean, this is kind of like something that you would probably know. I think that they probably had Asked five other people, five other people. Yeah. And they, some of them had crazy demands. Um, it has, there's no way that that was the I, first I'm really choice. surprised that they don't do more due diligence on what the fans want. Not only that, but like the, <laughs> the you know, this new guy, apparently, if you look on all this read it, Reddit stuff, yeah. he's a real dog. And there are well, million, he on the show hundreds of dog? girls willing to tell you I, in the years that, okay. So this is strange. I think. He's a finalist with this guy, Jeff. Jeff right. wins. Jeff's the small man Mormon guy that yeah. she chose. Well, yeah. they break up. Yeah. And now Ari and Jeff hang out all the time. And they would go, apparently, according to Twitter and stuff, they go out in Scottsdale and they hit on really young girls. Like hook up with like 17, 18, Ew. 19 year old girls. Like, but you guys both probably had sex with the same girl on night, one night apart oh. in fantasy suites. And now you <laughs> hang out together all the time. It's like, that's strange to me. And gross. But then, of course, if you go on the show, that's strange. Do you know I took my four <laughs> kids to the, the casting in Costa Mesa? Wait, what? I showed up. I was like, this could be pretty funny. So I, I went with the kids. The youngest was in the baby Bjorn. And I stood in line and pretended I was trying out for The Bachelor. Stop. And yeah, and it was interesting. Did so, you actually audition? I, well, no, I didn't get up to like get up to the line because people were like, "Why are all these kids here?" But then I was like joking with the girls, like, "You really want this?" Because it was like all the kids in line. It would look like the Sound of Music with the Von Trapp kids. Um, but my assessment, it was like a lot of twenty-three-year-old girls and then a thirty-six-year-old with a jumpsuit and hair extensions. Were it was like no one in between. And party promoters. It was like uh, girls who wanted to be models. Right. I when I talked to. Promoters. Um, Melissa uh, 
Rycroft. Oh, I like her. I, that was one of my favorite yeah, interviews. What she, she, she said is like, it's changed because she said when I went on, it was people who were like. Had normal lives. Who had normal lives. She went on the show because her boyfriend, who she's now married to, they oh, broke up. And oh, she was devastated. And her friend said, well, you need a distraction. Just go on the show. And she said, I'm from oh. Texas. Everybody's married at my age. So I go on the show. You've producers telling you, you know, he's so into you. And you get really wrapped up into it. And she said, I didn't even know anything about him. I didn't even know really what he did for a living. Well, we still don't know. Exactly. <laughs> and then she said that the hometown date, they went to his house. And yeah. she's looking around the room, noticing there are no pictures yeah, of him anywhere. <laughs> and then they got off the show. And then, oh, she said, you, you can't talk about politics or finances or anything. It's all just... Frothy conversations. It's like telling old stories about college, like funny stories. It's just they're talking about the relationship that they're in, which is not about anything. So she said, I get back to Texas and we start talking on the phone and we have nothing to talk about. It's just. He realized that too, obviously, because he chose the wrong woman. Unbelievable, right? So she wasn't, she didn't really care then that when he broke up with her. She was upset because she knew they had relationship problems. She didn't know he was going to have this whole conversation on national television. She felt blindsided that way. Like she thought they were going to work, try to work it out. You know, she knew they didn't have a great relationship, but she didn't expect to sit on a couch and have him say, this is over. And by the way, I was actually in love with the runner-up. She didn't know that, that part. Was, that was but now, great television. This though. is why I like going back to the retro yeah, interviews yeah. because she's like, you know what? Whatever. I mean, I ended up with my husband. We got back together. We have three kids now. He's so happy with Molly. Right. They have a baby. They're cute. In the end, it all it did. It all worked out. Has there ever been? I don't. I haven't watched. You know, even half the seasons of the Bachelor Bachelorettes. Mm-hmm. But have there ever been? Has there ever been a couple that you know in the end that you thought was a real couple with real chemistry who had a real shot at a real marriage? Mm, well, sometimes <laughs> I think Ryan and Trista, but then yeah, they went still on together. But then they went on marriage right. boot camp, and I watched some episodes of that, and I, I don't think he. There's a part of him that has never let go of the fact that she was in love with that backup guy, Charlie. Yikes. Charlie was so cute. He was so cute. Oh, my God. He lived in Hermosa Beach. I used to yes. see him. He was so hot. Wait, why I think for all those Charlie? people, she chose Ryan in the end. I think, uh, first of all, he was whoever married Charlie made out because that guy was super <laughs> I, funny, I was great family. Him. Yeah, that was a great season. He was like a cool guy. No, he was perfect. I think she really liked both of them, but something about Ryan yeah. spoke more to her. But I don't think that the person that wins The Bachelor ever lets go of that fact. Like Lauren Bushnell and Ben Higgins, I don't think she could ever let go in that place of her heart that knew that he said he loved JoJo. And that, like, she can't ever, she could never let it go. It would never work out. Yeah, but it's not real, though, is it? I'm not saying. For them, it is. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's not real, like it's produced, but I'm saying, is it, right. For For them, it is. They are so caught up in the fake reality of it all because they're not allowed to, like, do anything. They can't see their families, their friends, their internet, their phones. So it's like, you can, you can heighten all of these feelings that normally in the real world wouldn't probably take root. In this heightened reality, all of a sudden you believe you're in love and you're drunk most of the time, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like... And then you have a producer that's saying... Yeah, he really likes All he does is talk about you. Do you watch Unreal? I do. Do you like it? I do like it. I think it's really good. I do feel like watching it, it makes you look at The Bachelor through a different lens. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's funny. And it also, it bums me out that The Bachelor is so much more about contestants that just want to be on the show to get big Instagram following. Ew. If you had to name your top three reality shows of all time, what would they be? Of all time? Okay. They're off the beaten path. Okay. One is actually done by Mike Fleiss okay. from The Bachelor. It's called, it was called High School Reunion. Yeah. Wait, I was just talking about, who was I? One of John Collins, maybe? One of my guests produced on that show. <gasps> yeah. That to me was, because it goes back to me as a kid on my mom's floor looking through her high school yearbook. Yeah. That is that, it started, my love started there, the stories. And I just like the way they would bring people back who really, um, were the whole spectrum of a high school. You have the yeah. nerds yeah. and the cool kids. And I like to like see... The, the archetypes. Yeah, how people change. Like, do they stay in that archetype or, like, does it change? So I find that fascinating. Um, there, I know I talk about it all the time and people are so sick of me talking about it, but there's a show called 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, it's great on TLC. I love My that show. My friend produces that show. Well, tell... Is it a girl or... It's a guy. Tell I mean, him, it's his company. Tell him I Not think... Sharp. 
that, uh, in fact, he needs to send me a bouquet of flowers because oh. I have turned so many people onto that show. Yeah. He owes me big time. Well, I love that show. It's a great cons- construct, mm-hmm. right? Conceit. Yeah. Interesting. I love that one. And there was Another, a show. Wait, isn't there a follow-up to that show too? Which is even better. It's called <laughs> Before 90 Days. It's yes. the most so spectacular show. show. So it's basically a catfish situation. Okay. So you have like Darcy, who's 42 and from Connecticut, who has an incredible amount of injectables done to her face. <laughs> and she has a boyfriend who's 24 and in Amsterdam named Jesse. And she's got two kids at home. She's leaving with her twin sister for six weeks to pursue love. She shows up and he... It turns out he's like a control freak. He, She meets his family. They're nuts. And they're saying to her, like, where do you see this relationship relationship going? And she admits to them at the dinner table, well, I fully plan on getting married to him, which is why I'm wearing a costume jewelry ring, because I'm so confident that we're going to get married. And he's looking at her like she's crazy. <laughs> and also, I'm confident that I'm going to give birth to his son, and it's going to be a boy, and I've already named yeah. it. It is like, you can't make this shit up. It's fantastic. Wow. And then She's my, definitely not a, uh, an actor. No. She's legit crazy. And my, the third favorite one that I... When I was dating my husband, the first, like, after three months, we went on a trip to Hawaii, and we were in a hotel in Waikiki, and we started watching the show, and he got sucked into it. It was called um, My Big Fat Fiance. Yes. Was it VH1? It was VH1, I believe. And it was an actor who played the bartender on um, (laughs) Grey's Anatomy. He was so freaking great. And it was this couple. He's he's in on the joke, but she doesn't know. And they are going to win money if they can convince both their families that they're actually engaged. And he's sabotaging the whole thing because he's an actor. That show was so freaking funny. I never saw it, but I should see it. Go back and watch it. Yeah. He, I mean, I'm sure he got that job on Grey's Anatomy from that because he was really good. That's so funny. And then my husband, after that, there there was another show after that. I probably by the same producers called My Big Fat Fake. um, It was like a celebrity apprentice ripoff of Donald Donald Trump, but it was like, they had a fake boss and they had like, it was like The Apprentice and these people were, wanted to work for this man, but it was all fake. He was like, they didn't know they were in on the joke, but he would have conversations I don't remember with women and all he would say was, now that's fascinating again and again and again. And the girls would just go on and on and they would have these challenges like The Apprentice, but they had no idea. It was all fake. What did they think they were competing for a job with uh, him? For a job with him. They made like, they said he was like this mogul and he wasn't, and he was like hysterical. an actor. Well, okay, we said so. Joe Millionaire was like that too. Yes, Remember? that was. A I great thought that show. was actually. I just wrote him a note. I'm hoping um, he works in construction in yeah, Orange County. Right. I want to track him down too. I know. I love that you bring all these old school people back. It's yeah, great. it's fun. And right? I saw you're interviewing Courtney Robinson. Is that her name? I can't wait. Robinson. I feel like I should do a book club with hers and like have bring Jarrett. Do you know Jarrett from BuzzFeed? He's no. super funny. I feel like the two of us should bring her in and just go through that book and then ask her questions. Oh, I love it. So just like a standalone episode yes. where it's like book club. I also would love to get Tori Spelling to talk about one of her books. I like the think first one. You would should be great. definitely be able to get Tori. You, you'd be surprised. Really? You would like for me to get certain guests, you would be so surprised who's easy to get, who's hard to get. Interesting. The people that you would think are the easiest to get are actually the hardest to get. Oh, my God. That just blew my mind. What's your goal for the next five years? I, right now, am, I have a pro- producing partners, and we're working on a sizzle reel where I would like to have a television show based on my podcast. Ooh, so because it's, it's I, you interviewing people. Me interviewing people spliced with my some of my stand-up and my stuff with my kids at home. Or, Fun. like, me meeting my dad, having a conversation with my dad. Yes. So— that is my what I'm working on right now. And you need to be a bartender on Watch What Happens Live, obviously. I, I would love to do that. I'd, I'd love to sit in a chair with them. I mean, like, I'm just that saying, would you know, be great. Levels, levels. I, right? I, my, yeah, my goal <laughs> is for Andy Cohen to know who I am. Um, it's not impossible that he doesn't know who you are. A couple of years ago, my sister and I went to Watch What Happens Live. Yeah, I went once too. It was and fun. he said... Um, does anybody have any questions? And I asked him, do you read recaps? Because at that time, I only read re- nice. wrote recaps. And Good he question. said, I used to, but not anymore. And my sister said, she writes them. And he asked, what for? And I said, my website. But he was like walking away from yeah, me. Yeah, he's ADD. And I said, ADD. love and knuckles. And it was this humiliating moment. And I <laughs> went home and listening. I was like so bummed. And then I ran into Heather Dubrow, actually. And it was like, it was this just weird moment. I sat down. And I said, I just went to New York. I met Annie Cohen. I feel totally humiliated. And believe, so this is props to Heather Dubrow. 
And she said, you know, it took a while for me to feel like he liked me too. I mean, he's just like that. He's a busy guy. But she said, you know what? You're really good at what you do and you just have to keep working on it. And you can't let stuff like that affect you. And it was like the great conversation at the right time. And I'll never forget her for that. It was really, really nice. Andy does, like Andy has the people that he has and that he likes. And, you know, we have a friend, we have a few friends in common, but I ran into him at the elevators after a Bravo meeting once. And he was on his phone, of course. I said, Andy, nice to meet you. And he goes, hey, go. Oh, we have a good friend in common. I named the friend. He goes, oh, I love her. And then literally went right down to his phone. It was just the two of us at the elevators. Like, you know, I'm a producer. Yeah. We could have easily chatted. And I get it. He doesn't want to be bothered. But I'm not even like a fangirl to him. Like, right. I could just, you know, I mean, I've sat in his office doing pitches without him there. But you know what I mean? Like, it's I can not- tell you this. I can't imagine that I would ever be that person. Yeah. I know you myself. I, I will think, never. Yeah. I would never be that person. You stay, you're going to keep it real. I. Uh, how could you not have such gratitude? Yeah. For how hard you work yeah. to have one person notice it, yeah, you should have an enorm- enormous amount of gratitude for just that. I feel like he, um, even before he was famous, even when he was just a producer, and I actually knew, again, we just have a lot of mutual friends. I actually knew who, he was always kind of had the it factor, like yeah. just in terms of, you know, he was friends with Sarah Jessica Parker way before John, you know, Benjamin Hickey or John Hickey, whatever his yeah. name is, like all those people, he was he was kind of rubbing shoulders and hanging out with them long before he became Andy Cohen. Yeah. So I think because he's lived in that world for so long, it wasn't like he was on the outside looking in. He was sort of always a part of it. And then he came into his own. And right. I think maybe that's why he's just, you know, doesn't really see as like his journey. You know, well, I'm sure I wonder did, in a day of his life how many people approach him. A lot. Or the emails that he gets. He's famous. He's yeah. legitimately famous. All right, we have to wrap this up. You are phenomenal. We'll do a part <laughs> <Thank> two <you. laughs> when you when you blow me off because you're Andy Cohen level. No famous. way, never happening. Not gonna happen. No. All right. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. 